Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. I want to invite you to take your Bible or your copy of God's Word, whether you've got it electronically or you've got it there in the print form or in the pew form. Did I do something? There you go. And uh, open it to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. I, I can remember uh, this, this, uh, this ad very clearly. It, it came out in 1989. Nike did it from 1989 to 1990. My uh, senior year of high school, uh, lots of people would wear these t-shirts um, yes, I'm that young, and yes, I look this old. That's all I can say. Um, but uh, they, they would wear these T-shirts, and they would say, say two simple words. It was Nike catchphrase for, for just a short period of time. It was not the, it was not the simple uh, just do it. They, they, they had a different idea, and it was called bow nose. Uh, in fact, you see a picture here of Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was a outstanding um, running back at the University of Auburn uh, War Eagle, and he won the Heisman for Auburn University. And when he went to the pros, he was the first modern. Is that me or you? Is there something going on? It must be me. Uh, he was the first modern day athlete who went and did two professional sports at the same time. So in his offseason, he, he, he played something. So uh, he, he was drafted to the Oakland Raiders, played football for them, and was an outstanding football player. And then in the offseason, he went to the Kansas City Royals, and he played for Kansas City in baseball. He was a tremendous athlete. In fact, what we don't understand is uh, how good he was because he, he, he received an injury early in his career that was going to be inhibit him for the rest of his life. And so he began not to be able to perform to the level that he wanted to and, and retired from sports. But Nike came out with this advertisement, Bo Knows. And it was funny because it was all these celebrities who are in the sports and, and they were in the, in the commercial with him. So uh, Jim Everett was a football quarterback. He was throwing a pass to, and he turned and says, Bo Knows football. You would have somebody else in tennis. Uh, you know, in tennis, it was, uh, it was uh, I just dropped his name, uh, Mike, um, daggone, somebody young enough to remember that. Um, who always got McEnroe? McEnroe goes, Bono's tennis? You know, because he was on the tennis court. Uh, then it was uh, basketball, it was Michael Jordan. Bono's basketball. Uh, then it was Wayne Gretzky. They, they, they hit him on the ice skate. <laughs> Gretzky goes, No. He doesn't know ice skate, you know, he doesn't know hockey. And uh, then it was at the end, there was a, a, a blues band playing. And the guy's name, the famous blues player, Bo Diddle. And uh, all of a sudden you see Bo playing the bass guitar. And, and finally, Diddle looks at him and goes, Bo, you don't know Diddley. You know, it's kind of one of those things. It was one of those greatest commercials. Now here's the kicker. Here's the, here's, you couldn't make this up how good this was. The commercial was set to air, first time ever, during the All-Star baseball game, Major League Baseball game in, in 1989. 
So they, I mean, primetime already has it set. It's ready to go. You can't make it up. And what happens is Bo Jackson hits a home run and they go to commercial. And guess what? Bo knows. Couldn't have been any better timing than that. Well, this morning, I, I wanted to be honest with you. Bo don't know everything, okay? He, he knows a lot. He, he may be a tremendous athlete, but do you know that he doesn't know everything, right? I mean, he doesn't know how to fix your life. He doesn't know, he doesn't know what you're thinking or dealing with. He doesn't know what you struggle with. Oh, he may struggle with the same issues, but he don't know everything. But I want to talk to you about the one who knows everything today. The one who came to this earth knowing long before he got here what his mission was. Knowing long before he got here what people's hearts looked like. And knowing long before he got here what needed to happen. That's the man Jesus. That's the Savior Jesus. This is the Son of God who came in the earthly form as man and went to a cross for your sins and for my sins. Tonight, today, I want to talk about Jesus knows because he truly does. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, we'll look at verse 17 and following. Would you stand with me as we read God's holy word? It says, on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you for eating the Passover? Go into the city to a certain man. And he said, tell him, the teacher says, my time is near. I'm celebrating the Passover at your place with my disciples. So the disciples did just as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When the evening came, he was reclining at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed, each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. He replied, The one who's dipping his hand with me in the bowl, he will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been, catch this, it would have been better for him if he had not been born. Judas, his betrayer, replied, Surely not I, Rabbi. You have said it, he told them. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. For I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You may be seated. This morning, I want you to catch this big idea today. The big idea is simply this, people may have knowledge of Jesus, however, unless they respond to his redeeming love, they're lost. Do you understand that this morning? 
You can have a working knowledge. You can have a good knowledge of who Jesus is. But if you never respond to his redeeming love, you're still lost and will spend eternity separated from God. This whole text, as we look at it, as we come to next week being Easter, it's called the Palm Sunday leading up to Easter. We celebrate the Passover, what's happening, the Passover lamb. And these days, it would, Passover lasted seven days, although it had turned from a seven-day festival to about an eight-day festival because there was this moment you had to get everything ready. It's kind of like companies coming and they're coming tomorrow. You don't wait till tomorrow for their company to get here. You start a week or, or two weeks or however long, depending on the company, you start getting ready. Well, the Passover was taking place. And in order for the Passover to happen, you've got to, you've got to get your lamb and you've got to slaughter it. You've got to take it, take it where it needs to go. You've got to do these things. Women would typically get the herbs and spices and all those together. And there was this whole process leading up for you to have the Passover meal. Well, Jesus and his disciples were coming to Jerusalem. It was, it was where he's going to celebrate the Passover. And so the disciples look at him and say, hey, so... Jesus, where do you want to celebrate the Passover? Now, what you need to understand is when people come to Jerusalem from the Passover, it's a packed house. It is, it triples in size. And so you've got to make pre-arrangements about where you're going to stay because it's not like there's a holiday inn just waiting on you. Still today, that's how it is. And so Jesus gives his disciples this instruction, go into town and, and find this man. Now, that would be a difficult task. And it's not the first time Jesus has done this. Jesus, remember he told him, go get a donkey, and, and this is how you're going to. Mark tells us, Jesus says, go into town, and you'll see a man carrying a jug of water. Now, we've narrowed that down a little bit. Nowhere do we know who the man is. There's a lot of speculation that it's related to Peter, but we, that's just pure speculation. But for, for the disciples to say, we're going to, to, to town and we're going to go see a man. Well, that'd be like on Saturday morning, coming to Glasgow, going to the, the square uh, and go, you're supposed to go see a man. Well, there's tons of men there. How am I to find the right one? When Mark tells them that he's going to be carrying a jug of water, that really narrows that down because most men didn't carry a jug of water. That would have been a, the, that would have been a woman who typically carried the water. And so Mark gives us a little insight that there was a little more direction at how they would find the person. But they find the person and they go set up for the Passover meal. So they get all the arrangements. They have to take the lamb. They get everything done, get, get the meal prepared. And now we're, we find ourselves in the middle of this meal. And Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. And he tells them that one of them was going to betray him. Now listen, he's already shared with his disciples that his time is near. And really, I, they don't quite understand what that means. Maybe it's near, we're getting close to Jerusalem, Passover. I mean, the, the, there's obvious evidence the disciples are still struggling with what he's saying about, about leaving and about his timing. And so now they're sitting in here, and all of a sudden, he has this conversation that one of you, one of the 12, will betray me. Now, catch this picture. 
it's an intimate meal. As intimate as you can get with 12 people or, or 13 with Jesus. And in that day, it's not sitting around a table like you are going to sit here in a few minutes. It's laying down kind of inward to eat. And, and one of you will betray me. All of a sudden, the conversations just go all over the place. Is it I? Was it me? Who? who? You know, who is it? What, what's about to happen? And we know that when this moment in our text that we read where Judas dips, his, dips in, that's a common thing. You take your bread and you dip it in your herbs. Judas does it. Then Jesus says, the one who's dipped with me. Well, the problem with that is everybody's dipped with him. So it's not like, because, listen, if they all knew it was Judas, do you not think the 11 would get up and pounce on him? I mean, let's be honest. Peter takes a sword and cuts, it off, cuts an ear off of somebody. I promise you, if they knew it was Judas, they'd get up and body slam him. WWE would have been born right then. But they didn't know that. Nobody knew. And they go through this Passover. They begin to hear new language. Take, this is my body broken for you. What does that mean, broken? This is my blood poured out for you. What is, that's all new. This morning, what I want to do is, I want to share three things about what Jesus knows leading into this. And I want you to catch these three things because as Jesus does this, it is very clear he knows what's about to happen. No one else may, but Christ knows. I'm going to give you two things that it takes or take away for it. First thing I want you to catch today is Jesus knows his mission. Jesus has known what his mission was from the time he came to this earth. From the moment in which he came, he knew what his role was and how he was going to function and what that was going to look like. He knew that, that he was coming and would be going to the cross. In fact, let me share a couple of verses with, of Scripture with you to help you understand that Jesus knows. Uh, oh, this is Luke 2, 49. It says, while they were searching for me, he asked them, or why were you searching for me, he asked them. And he's talking to his parents in this moment. And so they are, they're looking. Did you not know that it was what? Necessary for me to be in my father's house. He knows from the beginning He's got a role, and he is an early child, and they have left him. Show of hands, how many parents have left you someplace? Now, I know some of you have, because some of you said, my parents left me. Had somebody this week tell me that their parents left them at church. I said, I hope it was okay. You know, we, you know, some of, so if you've been left, you're in good company. That's all I can say. Jesus was left. Can it get any better than that? So he left them, and they came back, and they knew he was about his father's business. Look, look at John chapter 6. For I have come down from heaven not to do my, what? Will, but the will of him who sent me. Over and over Jesus would be said, what are you doing? I'm, I'm not doing my will, I'm doing the will of, of God. He knows his mission, he knows what he's come to do. Which leads us to another verse here, Luke 19 which sums up Jesus' mission. For the Son of Man has come to what, church? Okay, let's act like we're really excited 
that he came to seek and to save. So, Jesus, for the Son of Man has come what? Praise the Lord. Maybe you got found there, all right? You know? He's come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus knows all along what his mission was. It wasn't something that he was born and somebody said, hey, I think you're destined to do this. I think you've got this ability in you. Why don't you do this? Listen, Jesus knew his mission and his mission was to seek and to save the lost. He knew exactly what he was called to do. We see this in the text because he says to, to his disciples, my time is is near. I know what it's about to happen. I'm about to. He knows. They just don't know. Aren't you glad that God knows his mission? Because God knows we can rest in him. Second thing we find in this text is Jesus knows people's hearts. Jesus knows people's hearts. He knows what's inside of a person. He knows what people are thinking. Throughout Scripture, we find Jesus knowing what people are thinking. Mark chapter 2, we find this, the story of the healing of the paralytic. And, and you know, they lo- lower the, the man down on the mat. And Jesus knows what the Pharisees and the Sadducees are sitting in front of him saying. And he says, which one's easier? Get up and take your mat or... Or your sins have been forgiven and move on. He knows all of what people think. And so in this moment, we're sitting with the Passover. He knows what somebody's about to do. And he knows the person. He knows that heart. Look what he says in verse 21 of our text. While they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. He knows that. So let me... Let's, let's just understand this for a second. If Jesus knows people's hearts, what does he know about you? What does your heart proclaim to him? I mean, let's, let's be honest. Judas is a guy that nobody expects. Again, if they knew it was Judas, they'd have got up and pounced on him. I'm confident of that. Nobody, when, when the question was asked, one of you going to betray me, they didn't jump up and go, is it Judas? They didn't. The, there was no, no thought process for the disciples to think it would be one of, the, one of them. In fact, if Jesus had just said, somebody's going to betray me, they would have never thought it was in their inner circle. But when he says, somebody right here is going to betray, they all begin to question. Is it I? So it tells us Jesus knows hearts. God knows your heart. What does your heart proclaim? What does your heart say? What does your heart believe? What does your heart lead you to do? Because imagine being as close as you can be to Jesus and your heart still far from him. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Which leads me to the third thing we know. Our text tells us Jesus knows people's needs. He knows what people need. 
we get to the end, we, we come to the Passover meal, and there's a whole, there's a whole process in how you celebrate the Passover. There's, there's a ritual in which it goes through and how things are happening and why certain pieces are there. Why unleavened bread? Because they were to leave Egypt and they were not to take anything yeast with them. Just go. The blood was, remember the Passover, the night of the, the firstborn, puts the blood on the doorpost. Reminder that night that blood was needed for everyone. Either the sacrificial lamb or the firstborn in the house would be taken. And so we come to this moment and Jesus is breaking the bread and saying, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out. Now catch this, he says, for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus knows what people need. They need forgiving. They need the forgiveness of their sins. They need to be restored, redeemed. They need what only he can give. And so he's about to go to the cross and give the greatest gift mankind could ever receive. And in this moment, as he's doing this, he's beginning to set a new, a new covenant. One that we remember to this day. For you see, in a few moments, we'll observe the Lord's Supper. We'll take that cup and remember the blood that was shed. We'll take that bread and remind us of the body broken. And we do that because of our love relationship for him, but greater, more so, is because of his love for us. Because we can't do it on our own. Salvation doesn't come by being good. Salvation doesn't come because we act right. Salvation doesn't come because there's this sticker board in heaven and every day we get a a smiley face is one day closer to getting to heaven and when you get all the number you can get hallelujah we get there no salvation only comes through Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross and it's only by you and I recognizing how much he loved us and responding to that love so what's our takeaways? Well, let me give you two takeaways today. You can be close to Jesus and still lost. You can be close to Jesus and still be lost. I mean, think about it. How much closer can you get than Judas? Remember what Jesus said? It would be better that he was not what? Better that he wasn't even born. So you can be close and still be lost. You, you think, th think about it. J.C. Ryle, a uh, scholar, wrote this, and, I, and I, couldn't, I couldn't come anywhere close to this. And this is, I thought this is really good. I should have put it on the screen, but I didn't. Here it is. Judas Iscariot had the highest possible religious privilege. The highest possible privilege, religious privileges. 
He was a chosen apostle and a companion of Christ. He was an eyewitness of our Lord's miracles and a hearer of his sermons. He lived in the society of 11 apostles. He was a fellow laborer with Peter, James, and John. Not one of the 11 seemed to be, suspect him of hypocrisy. When our Lord said, one of you will betray me, no one said, it's Judas. Yet all the time, his heart was never changed. Catch that. He did all of that. He watched, he watched Jesus bring people back to life. He was there when they had the fish and the bread and, and watched how that happened. He saw demons come out of people. And his heart was never changed. No wonder our churches are filled with people who've never come to know Christ. Because their hearts have never been changed. Friends, listen to me. It's about responding to the love of the Father. Recognizing you cannot do it on your own. Playing church doesn't get you to heaven. Dressing up doesn't get us to heaven. Knowing the right words don't get us to heaven. Judas could have done everyone. In fact, listen, in our culture today, Judas would have been a pastor, an evangelist, someone standing, and people would want to come hear him because he was so close to Jesus and yet lost. You can be close to Jesus and still be lost. Please don't let that be you. Second thing I want you to take home today, and the most important you can find salvation only through the cross of Christ. It is only through the cross of Christ that you can be saved. Not by works, not by looks, praise the Lord. Not by anything but the cross of Christ. That's salvation. That's coming to a place to recognize what John 3.16 teaches us, that God so loved the world. His love was amazing. He loved the world regardless of, of who they were. You look at the disciples, they were not the, the smartest, the, they weren't the smartest group. They weren't the brightest crayons in the box. They were a few french fries of a Happy Meal in some of them. But God loved them. You look over and over at the people that God chose to use. The world would have tossed them aside. Moses couldn't even speak publicly, and yet he's going to lead a large crowd of people. And God says, he's my person. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Imagine giving one of your children up. That whosoever, friends, you are the whosoever. You are the whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved. God gave. We believe. We receive. That simple. This morning, let me ask you, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know that Christ died for you? Are you living a life for Christ? Here's the question, what's in your heart?
Are you living for Jesus? This morning, I want to ask you if you've got your, your cup and juice in front of you, if you take that, your cup and bread, would you take that? In just a moment, if you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if there's a decision on your heart, we're going we're gonna to ask you to respond. Because if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, this next few moments as you, you take this cup and this bread broken for you, it will just be, if you've got a cup in your hand, it will just be something you're doing unless you respond. Unless you give your heart to Christ. Unless you believe. But if you're here and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you've been baptized in this body or in another body, we invite you to, to observe the Lord's Supper with us. This morning as we take the, the, the two elements, I'm going to ask you to take your, take your, your bread. And let's give thanks to God for the brokenness of Christ's body. Father, in this moment, in this moment, we thank you for loving us. For Father, we are so unworthy of your love. God, thank you for that great love. For sending your one and only son so that we could have life everlasting. Father, for the pain he went through, for the brokenness of his body that he went through, we give you thanks. For it is in him that we have salvation. And so, Father, today we thank you. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Take and eat. I told you a few months ago when we were in the book of Exodus that blood was required that night they left Egypt. No one was leaving Egypt without a blood payment. If you were the people of Israel and you were obedient, the blood payment was in the, the sacrificial lamb. You took that blood and you put it on your doorpost. If you were an Egyptian, that blood payment was going to be your firstborn, a member of the family. Blood was a requirement for freedom. Still today it is. For you and I to be free in Christ, it, it costs Jesus. He went to the cross. His blood was shed for you and I. And so today we remember that sacrifice. Would you pray with me? Father, as I think, as I think about the sacrifice that was paid for our sins, the blood that was poured out. 
thank you is not enough. But a life of obedience and faithfulness is what you call us to. So, Father, I pray that that's what we do. We surrender and we walk close to you. Thank you for the ultimate sacrifice, for giving of your son, so that we can have life everlasting. Amen. Take and drink. Here's the thing this morning. Just a moment, we'll sing a hymn of invitation and we want to invite you to make a decision. You can do that here in just a moment. I'll, I'll be here at the front. You can do it afterwards. Uh, as you came in, you see on this side, we have a connection center set up. Mike Thomason will be out there. JJ Poole may be out there as well. They'd love to talk to you about church membership, coming into Christ. Uh, just pray with you. If you've got a prayer concern, they'd, they'd love to pray over you with that. They'll be there. I'll be over here on this side. If there's a decision you need, you can find me in the lobby. If you're watching us on television or, or streaming us, you can, you can make a decision. You can reach out to us for prayer or, or if you need to talk, 270-681-2363. 270-681-2363 and we'll get back with you. This morning, the question you have to answer is where's my heart in line with God? Am I secure in my relationship with the Lord? Do I believe, have I responded? Or am I Judas? Looking the part, acting the part, nobody knowing the difference, but yet my heart not being changed. Please don't let that be the case today. We'd love to talk with you if that's, your, if that's where you are. Don't leave. We're not promised tomorrow, and we're not, we're not promised this afternoon, but we have the moment. And let's, let's surrender. Would you stand with us as we